That's good. I was telling Tyler, he's like, I feel like we should do this, have people start sharing. I'm like, you're going to have to peel all these people off the feet of Jesus up here. Just be like, no more tears, no more oil, that's enough. Come on, let's do something different. Um, so we're going to start off, we had our, we sent some guys from Poland, or to Poland, from Jesus Church, um, and they just got back, so they're going to give us a rundown on all that the Lord did, and um, yeah, just his, his majesty and his power, so let's rock and roll, who wants to start? Jared's not here, so it looks like you're going to, yeah, Hannah, come on, get up here. Hannah, you guys all got to stand up here together. I don't know where Jared's at, so who wants to start? Luke will start. So, you're in charge. Overview? Um, what do you mean you can't see me? Um, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, so, I guess first, Jared! <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, so we first started in a town called Zheshev. Um, the like what we did there. There's a Ukrainian like refugee ministry called Solid Rock, um, and they basically like took Ukrainian refugees and like discipled them and built them up. And then like the goal is to send them out. Um, so they were in between like projects, I guess. So we were just there to serve them. Um, we did a worship night, or it was like a youth, a young adults night, and we did worship, um, and then we like prophesied over each other, which was super awesome, um, and then the next morning, we had a prayer service type thing um, with worship, and then we also celebrated New Year's with them. It's way bigger than it is here. It was so cool. <laughs> the fireworks and everything in the city. We were, we were walking around and so these kids like dropped fireworks next to us and we thought we were getting shot at. <laughs> um, um, but we had like a worship through the new year. Um, that was super awesome. And then we played some soccer. We beat the Ukrainians. Yeah. Team USA. Um, we also played them in ping pong. We also won that Team USA. Um, and then we went to Krakow, which is where Jared, Lizette, and Brian were in the summer. Um, and the goal was like to build up the local church there. Um, I kind of shared this with some people before, but uh, they do like street evangelism really well there. They have this, the proclamation, which is like, they got the speakers and everything and they're like preaching the gospel. And they talk to a lot of people, like a lot of people show up and they like, it's really effective, but then like it's difficult to bring them into like a, a home, like to a local church. So while we were there, like the goal was to build up the local church, like to encourage them and to like more or less plant something that like they can bring people into. So yeah. um, I kind of shared this at Harvest last night, but one of the big takeaways from the trip is that like the community that the Lord is cultivating here is really attractive to people all across the globe. It's like cross-culturally, um, people are just drawn to the family that we that the Lord is establishing in this place. Um, I think everywhere we went, whether we were at 
our highest, like, in worship or in our very lowest um, food poisoned on a train. But, like, people were just drawn to to the family values. Um, And and the culture over there is very stoic, um, and it's very guarded. People walk around, they're, they're very closed off. But they're very hospitable people once you once you start getting to know them. Um, but we would just have encounters with people, and they would be like, wow, we've just never seen joy like this or family like this just time and time again. Like, wow, it's really nice to see happy people, really nice to see people who want to get to know us, want to talk to us. And um, I think it was just incredible to get to be a breath of fresh air to a culture that's very guarded and closed off because that's just not the culture here. Um, so time and time again, just people were very drawn to us, even like supernaturally very drawn to us. We had random people on the streets who just wanted to hang out with us for the day. Like random people would just be like, I think I'm just going to go to town with you guys and spend the whole day with you guys. We're like, okay, you know, that's fine. Um, but people were just super attracted to, to what we have burning in our hearts and, um, the way, that, the way that we carry the gospel. So that was really inspiring and refreshing. So I commend um, you all for allowing the Lord to work in this place and building a real family. And it's revolutionary and it's countercultural um, and it will impact the nations. And we got to see the first fruits of that. So thank you guys. Um, I think before we left, uh, like on, on my heart, dependency was burning um and that was kind of like i think they'd all agree like the overall theme like and like something we had to press into on this trip was like dependency on the lord and um sorry i just saw a thing roll (laughs) um yeah i like like just setting my mind on like um the fact that, like, nothing was going to be fruitful if, like, I didn't depend on the Lord on this trip was, like, super important, just walking into it. And, like, it was really cool to, like, see that, like, like Jared was sharing last night at Harvest, like, the, the only thing familiar that I took on this trip was the Lord. Like, nothing else, not the culture, not, like, the, like some of the people, but, like, not, like, nothing was the same. Like, it was all just, like, very different and the only thing familiar was the Lord and that's the only thing that I had to press into and like one of the first nights that we were there I was spending time with the Lord and just like he took me back to the place of like when I gave my life to the Lord in the car outside of Dylan's place and just like just like crying and just sobbing and and knowing that like if I gave my life to the Lord like I felt like I was going to lose like my family lose everything that I knew that I was familiar with and just um yeah, just, like, giving myself to him, and, like, he spoke to me and was, like, you never had to leave that place. You're, you're never called to leave the place of dependency, and so, uh, yeah, that was super good to press into there, and uh, I think we saw great fruit of that, from that, yeah. Um. Yeah, it was a it was a really really good um, team, and I think that was one of the most uh, impactful things for me was to see you guys step into another aspect of what God's called you to in your lives, um, your heart for the nations and your heart for a team. 
your heart to support a team, to encourage a team, and build one another up and honor one another. That that blessed me. I, I've never been on a more encouraging team in my life. Like, it was crazy. <laughs> and that's really a big props to uh, to one of our friends, Lizette, who was actually the leader of this trip um, to which we all were submitted to. And her her heart that she's received from the Lord, but also has been really um, honed in and cultivated here in Jesus Church, is that of honor towards the people that were she was she was over and she was leading. And so that that was I think one of the big takeaways for me highlights. Um, to also to the same degree, um, we were there in August, uh, Lizette, myself, and Brian, and to go back with another team of more people, people from Canada, people from all over the United States, and to reconnect with the very same people that we met there, to hit them up, to text them, to, to reach out, and then to like spend time, that, that blew them away. They're like, why, why, what are you doing? Like, why are you back here? What, why are you here? Like, well, we came back to see you. Well, we came back to spend time with you, to encourage you. And, and that meant the world to those people because like Angel and Luke said and Hannah the goal was the local church there in the cities that we were working with. And um, it's just cool to see that the heart for discipleship and the heart for community is transferable across cultures. Across cultures. And uh, we, we saw that in a major way. Like Hannah said, we had people around us all the time that were just randos. Like, like met them in the hostel. They're like, hey, yeah, I'll come to, you with, to come to town with you today. We're like, okay, you're from Italy. <laughs> Sounds good. Come on. And, uh, and just ends up getting rocked, prophesied over, prayed for, and just an intimate time that the person really, really needed the Lord. Or, you know, you're, you're out to dinner with, with people and you're encountering people, talking to them and sharing Jesus with them. Or you go to a cafe and you meet a random person that's from the UK and that person ends up spending multiple days with you and then leaves a changed person because of the presence of Jesus. That's the whole thing. Oh, yeah. And we had another guy that was a part of where we were staying at we just met him in the kitchen at our hostel and uh, he ended up like just being really personable and wanting to talk. And so I just was like, hey, we have a dinner tonight. You're more than welcome to come, man. He's like, yeah, that sounds really nice. I said, well, we'll probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he was from India originally. And uh, he's just like, yeah, I'd love to come in. That sounds awesome. And uh, I said, well, we'll probably eat, fellowship, pray a little bit, worship. Um, but you'll love it, man. <laughs> and uh and he came and absolutely loved it. He's just like, kind of was standing there. He's like, man, I, I really just like the vibe you guys got going on here. This is nice. I say, yeah, he's got a name. Um, but uh, it, was, it was really, really, really special. I think, like Hannah said, there was, there was a, a palpable light everywhere we went that people were attracted to. Um, and it just goes to show that, that God, like, will use culture. He can work through culture, but he's not confined to culture. You might be in a very stoic culture or a culture that's not very personable or wants to have anything to do with interacting, but Jesus is very interested in interacting, and he's very interested in being joy. And I just, I, I still, one of my favorite things, <laughs> I tell these guys, just to go to somebody in a store, like a, like a you know, 7-Eleven, what they call it, a jabka over there, but you go into this store, and you just ask the person, hey, how's your day going? And they're just like, um, fine. Why do you ask? I'm like, because I care? I don't know. <laughs> and all of a sudden, they're just like, nobody does that. That's not normal here. And I'm like, yeah, it's normal to Jesus. So it was really, really unique. Um, the, the finale was, like I said, that dinner that we had in Krakow where we, we rented an Airbnb and we, uh, we hosted tons and tons of believers, non-believers, people that we met on the street, pastors, leaders, people of house churches, anybody that we could find, we brought them to this Airbnb. Um, <laughs> and uh, 
it was awesome. Luke and Angel cooked some chicken gnocchi pesto pasta. It was bomb. It was so, so good. We had candles. We had tea, coffee, chocolates. It was a sweet Airbnb, actually. Um, but we made really good friends with the security guard whose name was Marios. And Marios, like, he, he was kind of not assuming, but like I could tell him, like, hey, you're probably not supposed to bring like 30 people to an Airbnb. So I kind of made friends with him and I was just like, you know, pumping his, kicking his tires a little bit, you know? And uh, in, I'm literally like in and out. I'm like picking this person up, bringing them in, using my security like key card coming in. And uh, just kept talking to him. So then, <laughs> then we go upstairs and most of the people are there and, and we're like, we should give Mario like, a plate of food. So I go back downstairs. I said, hey, bro, you hungry? I said, we got some extra food. He's like, no, that's okay. I said, for real? So do you want some food? Yeah, I'll take some. I said, all right, cool. So we made him a big plate, glass of Coke, took it down there, gave it to him. <laughs> we ended up having the dinner and everything. And I go back down there to pick somebody up. He licked the plate clean. I'm not kidding you. Absolutely clean. And uh, he's just like, thank you so much. I go back upstairs. And one of the guys during worship, he said, what's that guy's name? I said, the guy's name is Marios. He said, I feel like he's dealing with pain in his body. I'm going to pray for him. I said, that would be awesome. He really needs it. Come to find out, dealing with shoulder pain. He got healed. Dude got completely rocked by being a good security guard and letting us have this whole night of Airbnb and having a dinner. It was just so good, so, so good. So it's, it's, cool, to, it's cool to, I would say, be in a place that you're not just there for a trip, but you're there to actually invest in a place that God's given you an inheritance in for the rest of your life. And I think that's, that's something that we, we were very intentional with, uh, the whole team and everything that we got to experience. So, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was awesome, and it was life-changing for so many people on the team. Do you have, do you have more? Um, I think one thing that we've all walked away with, one of our biggest, like, takeaways is that just so much more confidence that the gospel is actually the only thing that saves. Um, and it's not just here in DeWitt, it's not just at this church, but actually you go overseas to another country, to a whole nother culture, a whole nother set of people, and it's like, yeah, the gospel is still the only thing that saves, still the only story that has the power to save. Because you meet all these people and they put their value in traveling and money and career and everything, and you're just like, you're missing it, you know? The gospel is actually... Um, the only power that saves. And I used to think um, back before I was really following the Lord that the gospel was just for eternity. It was like just for heaven. So the gospel was, it was for some time off in the future. Um, but I'm, I'm more convinced right now than ever that the gospel is actually for now. And the gospel is what saves now. And um, the gospel is so needed because people are living these lives that are miserable and broken because they, all they see is a gospel for someday. Um, and so the key is, is when they realize that the gospel is actually for now and it's, and it's more relevant than anything else in this life. Um, and so that's something that hit me like never before is just this urgency. And I know that we've all felt it like this is urgent. The world actually needs this right now. Um, and the world actually doesn't need anything else. Um, <laughs> yeah. John, you have a question? Yes. Yes, I would love to do that. Um, we, uh, we got connected with somebody through, um, some unforeseen circumstances. <laughs> the Lord really connected us to this person. Um, it's a long story, but, um, we ended up going to work with him in August. His heart is, 
to raise up um, the young generation specifically for 10 years, discipling them from when they're a teenager all the way till they're a young adult, sending them out as missionaries and as church planners and as Christians into their, into their lives, into the, Europe, into the United States and all over, from Ukraine specifically. And so where we were at, um, close to Ukraine, there in Zheshov, it's uh, about 100 kilometers away from the Ukrainian border. And what it is, is it's a refugee house um, compound, about three houses that people are coming from the United States, from um, Europe, all over, staying there and doing humanitarian aid and work into, into Ukraine, and also refugees coming out of Ukraine. And a lot of them are young guys, 19, 18 years old, who are avoiding the draft. So one person specifically, his name was Dennis. He didn't speak very much English. Um, you remember Dennis, Brian? He was one of the young guys that was like having lunch with us and stuff. He didn't speak very much English. Come to find out, he came in August. That was when he came to Poland for the first time. And the reason he came was so that they wouldn't put him into the military and send him right to the front lines. And so he was staying at the house with all the other different families and young people, people that are moving from all over Poland, all over Ukraine to be a part of the mission because they're sending humanitarian aid to the front lines constantly. They're like, one of the leaders had dinner with us, and right after dinner, he was taking a vehicle to the front lines. So, like, they're in and out of Ukraine constantly. Um, and so, really, our heart going there was just to serve them however we possibly can because they're so busy with the work that they're doing. They're so busy with the ministry because they're doing these things called, like, fire camps and fire schools. And it's really evangelistic training, training up young people on how to preach the gospel and share it on the streets. So they go into Kiev, they go into Dnipro, they go into Lviv, wherever. I mean, places where it's kind of hot. And they, they preach the gospel and they put up, they, they do street outreach. They put up speakers and they share with people and they equip young people specifically to go into the harvest and actually share the gospel in the midst of all the brokenness in Ukraine. Um, so that, I would say, was like the main aspect of us in this trip specifically, was helping them like with their, their actual community. Um, but when we were in the other cities, one in three people were from Ukraine. And that was, that was like the, how to, kind of was surreal almost, if you will, because of how many people are fleeing what's going on in Ukraine. Um, so that, that's the majority of it, but I know further stuff is gonna be happening and we've been invited to come back, um, multiple people to come back and do work into Ukraine itself. So um, yeah, it's, a, it's really, really unique what's happening there. So um, we, were, we were working in a soup kitchen as well with a, a um, organization that's been feeding people since two days after the war broke out in 2022, um, Ukrainian refugees in Krakow. So um, we went to this place called like Macro. It's kind of like Costco on steroids. And you go there and we're, it was Hannah, myself and this other woman, and we bought $1,200 worth of supplies, two carts full, and took it to this, uh, to this food bank where we were cooking soup and packaging meals for, for Ukrainian refugees. So it was wonderful. Um, absolutely wonderful. And it's actually an answer to prayer that this house had in 2022 in February when we were like, God, like connect us and help us be hands-on, not just by prayer, not just by finances, but hands-on with the conflict that's going on there. Um, Cause it opens your eyes up to what's, what's happening in the world. Um, and there's, there's obviously more, there's more conflict than just Ukraine and, and uh, Russia. So um, we were all kind of realized to that, if you will. So um, anyways, yeah. It was an awesome, awesome time. Uh, we appreciate you guys' prayer, your support, um, and just seeing that Jesus Church is not just here in this location, but its heart and its, its intent is for the whole, the whole worldwide nations to uh, experience the culture that's going on here. So, yeah, we love you guys. Thank you.
right, now to the home front of Jesus Church. Um, so I'm here to give an update on dwelling coffee. Dylan laughs. He said no introduction. So, um, so yeah, we're, we're still hoping for that end of February uh, open date. We've gotten a lot of check marks off as far as there's a lot of red tape you have to go through for a coffee shop. So uh, we have approved all the stuff through the health department. Um, in Clinton County, um, so that's good. We're moving forward with that. We have the permits for that. Um, as far as the shop goes itself, we have it all pretty much framed out courtesy of, of Marty back there. He did a wonderful job, so thank you to Marty and his crew um, for getting that done. Um, yeah, round of applause for Marty. <laughs> Yeah, um, so yeah, now we're what we're doing, we, we got the bar built out. We're looking, I guess, yeah, we can hit those pictures. That'd be sweet. Give some good updates, picture-wise. So yeah, this is a general idea of what we're going with at the bar, um, what it looks like framed out. You can keep flipping through them if you want. There's only three pictures. So there's another one. There's three. I got one more. So yeah, three-picture update, but... It's super cool. So yeah, we got, uh, we're currently waiting on uh, more trades to get in there. That'll probably be next week. Um, everybody's busy, which is fun. We gotta wait, but uh, Brian Dotson's another one who's gonna be putting in a lot of work there. So we appreciate him. Uh, he's not in here right now, so we won't give him a round of applause. Um, no, on Hill, not now. Um, but uh, uh, part of why we wanna share this update is um, Oh, Brian's on the floor. Never mind. Okay, we can clap it up for Brian. Sorry, I didn't see you, Brian. Usually I can see you pretty quick in the room, and I couldn't there. Um, but, yeah, part of why we wanted to share an update on what's going on is not only um, for more prayers, but also uh, we couldn't be here without you guys and where we are in this point. Like, we've raised nearly $40,000 to get this started, um, and yeah, we still need more. So the best part, <laughs> just plain and simple of it, like we, we do need more to keep going. But this is the part that's amazing about a body of believers and, a, and why we were not just going after it. <laughs> What's so funny? <laughs> we do, but I know. Is everybody uncomfortable now? Okay, we'll sit here for a second. Um, but no, the, the best part about this is like, we could have started this with, um, with a bank loan and been perfectly fine all the way through, but we had it in our heart to start this debt free because we're, we're a part of a, a community that wants to sow into things to see the community changed and, um, and not just because we can get money from somebody who has, or just go to a bank and get approved for it. We believe that it's going to come from this community's heart into what we're doing to actually make an impact. So that's why we share these updates, because it's not just me and Dylan going and putting it all on the line. It's, it's all of us in, in one accord going after it to pursue the Lord and to show people what God's love is all about. So with that being said, if you feel it on your heart to give, you can give online to the Dwelling Coffee Fund. But also prayer has been an amazing thing. There's been some stuff shared and just a lot of encouragement as we, we continue in this, because... I mean, honestly, I was reading in Mark 10 today, and it says, with man, everything is impossible, but with God, everything is possible. So I believe as we pray into it, as we sow into it, we're just going to see a lot of things um, 
move in the community because of what we're pursuing in this coffee shop. And I was talking about it with a, a couple, how like as people walk into the coffee shop, there's just going to be a presence of Jesus. And people aren't going to understand it, but they're going to keep coming back because of that and what, what we've sowed into in prayer and in finances. And it's going to, I believe, change the area and probably the world. So with that, is there any questions? Evan, you can give, yep, and there's a give box in the back as well. Good question, Evan. Anything else you want to add? All right. Thank you for your time. <clears throat> I'm glad you did that. Mostly because I didn't want to. Um, yeah, it's part of his job description. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. No, it's good. Um, like we said, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know, we could do a lot of things with money, but we choose to do things that try to help people, so that's our plan. Um, I feel like we're going to get into, um, in the next couple weeks, we're going to get into discipleship. We've been talking about what that looks like, uh, and I'm just excited to, to kind of I don't have a lot of time today, so I'll just kind of scratch the surface of it, but um, I'm excited to step into it because I feel like it's going to bring a lot of clarity. I feel like it's going to bring a lot of purpose, and it's going to bring a lot of vision to people in their hearts, not just our corporate body, but individuals. Uh, when we understand, and this is what I wanted to say, is like, we, we hear the word disciple, and we, you know, it, it's, a, it's a common uh, thought process in the body of Christ, but I think that we need to let our hearts be established in what Jesus, let our hearts be established in what Jesus' definition of a disciple is and what Jesus is looking for when he pursues people, right? Jesus is looking for disciples. That's what he wants. That's why he says, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. That's why, like, I think it's, even when we send somebody to a different nation, like, a lot of times what we do, I won't say it like that, a lot of times it's like when we don't have a perspective of God's, I'm trying my best to not say things that are just like, I'm just trying to be nice because Michelle's not going to come up here and butter things over after. Like that's Michelle's job is I'm like, I'll say things. I'm like, Ortea, she's not here either. Like I'm just like, hey, butter that up. Make it, make it nice for people. So I'm just trying my best. But like if we don't understand that our call, our call as, as individuals and our call as the body of Christ, as the church, Jesus' church and the church at large, is to become a disciple and make disciples, then we're going to miss what we're here on the earth for. I always say, like, if, we don't, if you don't understand that you, you personally are on the earth filled with the Spirit of God to bring the kingdom of God to people to make disciples, if you don't understand that, then you'll live an aimless life with no vision, Right? And if we, don't get, if we don't get that through our heads, that like God's goal when you meet anybody is for this person to look like him. That's what he wants. He wants to have a relationship with them and look like him. That's his goal. And how can he do anything? I got to give him a fist bump. Hey, what are you doing? You okay? You want to sit up here and talk with me? But your goal is to be a disciple of Jesus. That's the goal of the church. Can you sit right here? Because everyone's going to look at you. Because you look just like me. 
right? The goal of Jesus' church, the goal of the church at large is to make disciples of all nations. That's, so God's plan, when he looked at the world, he's like, how can I save the world and how can I bring them into a relationship with me? He's like, the goal is the gospel. The goal is discipleship. And the way that I'm going to finish that and, and, and get that accomplished is I'm going to build a church to do it, right? So many people are just looking for, they're looking for, especially as somebody that's like started, like we started Jesus Church three years ago, and people try to plant churches or, or build churches or start churches. And so many times we start churches and then the byproduct is like, well, hopefully we'll make disciples. That's what we think. When Jesus' plan is, hey, you make disciples and you're going to have a church. Like I always say, if you go into a place, like if I came to DeWitt with any other reason than making disciples, then I wouldn't, Jesus' church would have been super hard to build. But if I'm just like, hey, this one person, like Luke Apostle rides dirt bikes with me, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue him because he doesn't know Jesus. And I'm not trying to be mean, he just doesn't know him. That's cool. But he can. And all I have to do is spend time with him. And if I do that, I know that I'm going to push him to his feet. It's not about me. And this is one of the problems when we talk about discipleship is that everyone thinks that it elevates somebody above somebody else, and that's not the case because we're all pursuing him, right? I'm making disciples of Jesus, not of myself, right? And if I understand that, then my whole goal is to push him to his feet, right? Anhil's not calling me in Poland, asking me and spending time with me, trying to figure out what the Lord, what the Lord is trying to say to him, Right? Because you build somebody into Christ. That's what a true disciple of Jesus does. Right? So then if I can spend time with Luke and spend time with Anhil, and Anhil can stand outside of my house and give his life to Jesus, then pretty soon what will happen is you'll have a gathering of believers that is a church. Right? Plain and simple. It's not, it's not that hard. The problem is, is we try to do all the other things but make disciples. Right? My pastor in Colorado was like, if your ministry that you're doing isn't making disciples, shoot the thing in the head because it's not what God wants, right? That's why everything that we do is how can we make disciples of Jesus Christ? And a disciple, by definition, is called a disciplined learner, one that follows, one that becomes like, right? You, like we always hear disciple, but you think apprentice. It's the best way that you can describe a disciple of Jesus is an apprentice of Jesus, it's somebody that, hey, you don't know the trade, you don't understand how, but I do. And all I have to do is teach you. And by the time you, we're done, by the, time of you, by the time you're done of walking with me, talking with me, spending time with me, you're going to look just like me. That's what Jesus wants. He wants people to walk with him and talk with him and spend time with him to where when in any situation, you look like him. Right, and I think that one of the biggest hindrances is we think that some people are called to look like Jesus and some people aren't plain and simple that's like if we just want to swallow the it's a hard pill to swallow but that's what we if we boil it down in the church we think that pastors and leaders are supposed to look like Jesus but construction workers and moms aren't and we won't say that out loud very much but that's the truth right so we know that we know that Dylan as the pastor can pray for the sick and heal the sick and decide and pour into people but we don't believe that somebody that's a real estate worker can right i'm not trying to be mean that's just the truth right where's michelle michelle can you come over here and butter this up but it's the truth because and this is the problem so then we live a life that glorifies a leader or glorifies somebody else to do the work of the ministry when the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, the teachers, and the evangelists are called to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, right? 
And that's why, like, plain and simple, and, th- and I, the problem is, is, like, I don't want to become all, like, like, I don't want to come in all harsh, but the issue is, is we're getting robbed of vision and purpose in our life because we don't understand this, right? Like, we're living lives that are menial, and we're just, like, like, there's, without, a, without clear prophetic vision, the people are, are, are discouraged, is what Proverbs says in, I think, the New Living. But without clear prophetic vision, the people are discouraged or, or they're casting off restraint because there's no, they don't understand why they're here. You understand, Jesus has, is gracing his church to fulfill the mission that he's called them to. So here's the problem. If, you're not, if we're not living what the mission is, if we're not living what the calling is, then we don't have the grace that God's providing. Right? I love it. Like I heard a pastor say, like, God's not going to, there you go, sign up. No, God's not going to, God's not going to fill your tank up on your car to go down a road that he's not calling you to go down. Does that make sense? And so many times we're just like, we're trying to find the grace and the strength and all this stuff, and the whole time we're not doing it the way that God wants it to be done. Right? Like, there is grace and ability for you to become like Jesus and for you to help other people become like Jesus. There's grace for that. Like, there's an empowerment of the Spirit for that. There's not an empowerment of the Spirit for you to live your life in your own strength right? For your own purposes and for your own things. And this is where I feel like, like part of the issue is, is like a lot of times we just come into the gospel with the wrong, with the wrong mentality. We don't realize that we came into it through the cross and we were supposed to die when we came in, but we came into it and we kept everything else alive, right? That's why like I always talk about, like, looking at my kids, I need to see them through the eyes of, it's his. They're his kids, and it's his calling, and they're his. So if they're called to go to a place that's super dangerous, they're not my kids. They're his kids, and it's his calling, and we're pursuing him, and it's his mission. And we're all going to be in heaven one day, but it's for his purposes. That's heavy. I mean, that's a heavy thing to think about, but there's no fulfillment for valor outside of what he's called him to do. Does that make sense? There's no freedom for him. There's no, there's no absolute enjoyment and fulfillment, anything else than what he was born to do. So he can live his life in, in the comfortability of Michigan if that's where he's called to be. I'm not saying comfortability. There, he can live his life in, in being comfortable in Michigan, but if he's not called there, he will die a slow death. Right? And I think, and this is what I mean, is right now in this moment, what we think is, okay, well then missionary, pastor, teacher, that's what, those are people that are called. But you might be called to live in Michigan and work a nine-to-five job. 100% might be called to that. If you don't know that, then you need to ask him. But that where you might be called. And if you're called there, man, I'm spinning. I'm so fired up, Stacy. You know what I mean? You might be called there, but if you don't know that you're called there, you need to ask the Lord. But if you are called there, guess what? Your mission is the same mission as somebody else that's called to the nations, Right? Luke might be called to the nations. He might be called to go, but his mission is still the same mission that we're called to, to, to live in, right? It's called the faith of the gospel. It's called the mission of the gospel. It's, hey, you're supposed to look like Jesus. You're also supposed to look like Jesus. You're called to make disciples. You're also called to make disciples. You're called to be in community. You're also called to be in community, right? That's why, that's why we can wake up in the unity of the faith. It doesn't matter if we're black, brown, blue, purple, or green and live in different countries. It doesn't matter. We all wake up for the same purpose, and that's to bring his kingdom and to know him and to be in a community for that purpose, right? 
And when you understand that, then you wake up with a vision and a purpose. And we're not just working aimlessly doing things because, like, your church attendance is not the highest, is not your highest form of Christianity, right? Like, we settle, we settle with church attendance and, like, we settle with church attendance and living for ourselves is what it comes down to. And then we give sometimes. You know what I mean? And we're, we think that, I'm not against giving, but we think that, like, Man, I'm gonna. I'm, there's no other way for me to do this, Michelle. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The only. That's funny, right there. Straight away, I hear it's like that's my baby, right? But he, here's the thing: is we said we settle in our hearts. Like, you guys think that? Oh my gosh, there's no other way. We think that like, hey, you. What I want is Nathaniel and Amy to come and give. That's what, what I. That's what you guys think. I'm not saying you guys, but like us at large, that's what we think is like, wow, he's made it. We've made it. Like that's what, that's not what I'm looking for. Understand? As a leader that understands what I'm, what the call of God is, I'm not looking for Nathaniel and Amy to come and give and be, be in this church for 40 years. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for Nathaniel and Amy to come be a part of a community and giving is part of that. But I'm not, I'm, you guys never hear me to receive offerings for a reason, but it's like, to give something to the body of Christ and to be a blessing where they're at with the understanding that they're called either here or somewhere else and we need to make sure that they step into the fullness of that, whether that's being called here or called there, right? They might be called to run a business and own a bunch of property here. That might be exactly what they're called to do, but how can I equip them to look like Jesus in that sphere of influence? That's what we're looking for, right? Does that make sense? Like that's what, that's my mindset of success in the body of Christ. It's not like we cannot settle for anything less than that. Because here's the thing is the other one is he's going to sit there and she's going to sit there and I'm going to do all the work when this is not what the kingdom is called for. That's not what Jesus is looking for. He's looking for the body of Christ to be the body of Christ. You understand? Like we can, in the simplicity of just following Jesus and knowing Jesus, impact and touch where we're at and nations all over the place because of obedience right like i but it's going to take a place of it's going to take clarity in my vision and sacrifice sacrificing on my part does that make sense look at second corinthians chapter five Was that a baby? <laughs> I was literally like, <laughs> yeah, I thought it was like tea going off or like a rocket. I was just like, what is that? I actually thought it was your water bottle. Like if you have it on an airplane, it's like, zzz, you're like, what is that? I can't tell you the amount of times I've opened my water bottle to give it to Valor on an airplane and it just goes poosh, all over you and you're like, oh my gosh, I still got six hours and I'm soaked. Hey, you sit right there. Watch your head, dude. Sit right there next to Stacy. Don't do anything crazy. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12. Oh, man, how am I going to do this, God? 
Where's your mom? Go to find your mom. Second Corinthians chapter five. Yeah, I feel like there's so much I have to say, and I don't even know if I can say it all. Let me just stay here for a second. The the before I get into this, when a church when a church, a body of believers either loses sight or forgets why they're on the earth, then we start to become inward focused and we start to worry about things that are not important. Okay? So when, 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 we, when a church forgets that their call, their call is to encounter Jesus, become like him, and to bring him to the world... Right, the, like the the early church, there 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 are two things: were love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two greatest commandments. Right, like there's are no other commandments; those are the ones. So we need to love Jesus like we just did. Right? Everything that we just did in worship, that's loving Jesus and being every. We love every bar, part of it. But like Tyler said, there's something to be said that once you start to really know Jesus and love Him, you start to follow Him, and He starts going other places because He's pursuing people. Right? Like you, we can't, we cannot just be, and that's what I mean is when we lose our sight and lose our focus of that, we'll start to become inward focus and we'll start to worry and be stressed about things that don't matter. Don't matter in the long run, right? You grab him. Just keep him back there because he's a wild man. Michelle says it best. He's like John the Baptist. Look, hey, go with JoJo. I know, buddy. He wears camel hair and eats locusts. But when, when a church loses that, pers- that, when they lose that focus, then we start to become inward focused and we start to become concerned about things and we start to worry about how do we do this so, so much better all the time. Acts chapter 8, it is... Like, I don't know, I can't, I don't know the exact timing, but from the day of Pentecost to Acts chapter 8, do you know how many years that was? Three years maybe, four years? I can't, you can, somebody can look it up. But to when persecution arose because of Saul, Paul was persecuting the church, how many years, you know? The, the, the church hadn't made it outside of Jerusalem. And they were enjoying the church in Jerusalem and every part of it. But then when persecution came, it actually scattered them, and it says the word was spread throughout the whole region, right? And it's like, we can't be, we can't be a church that's just focused on ourselves and focused on what we're doing and focused on where we're at right now. Like, you, like the Lord was talking to me recently. He's like, how long, he's like, how long is it going to take until this person's problem becomes your problem and not someone else's problem? Think about that. That's how Jesus lived his life. He steps onto the scene. None of the problems were anything, any bit of his, his fault or his, con, his concern, but it was his concern because he loved people, right? So he had to step in, and Jesus solved and fixed his problems that he, had, he didn't cause. He, he, he had no responsibility in, but because he stepped into them, he brought solutions, and that's what we're called to do as a body of Christ, right? Like nobody, Luke being called to a different nation, like he has, 
he had no business causing any problems or any situations or people being lost in that, in that wherever, Mexico, right? Sorry, on Hill. Um, yeah, right? So Luke was not part of the problem there, but he, is, he can be part of the solution if he has a, perspe- a perception and a perspective like Jesus does. Right, like Jesus, and this is how Jesus sees things. He, he sees an opportunity. He sees somebody that needs to know him. He sees somebody that, that he wants to impact. The only way that he does it is he raises somebody up and sends them because he raises somebody up or a group of people that are filled with his spirit to impact that society, to impact that place. That's why he talks about there's leaven in a loaf, in a dough. He goes, the kingdom of God is like leaven, and you hide it in the little dough, and then pretty soon the whole thing is all leavened. That's what he's looking for. That's how he thinks, Right? But the issue is, is we can't be people that are leaven that aren't doing anything. Or we can't be people that are leaven that don't see ourselves like leaven. Right? Because if salt loses its flavor, how can it be seasoned again? Right? If, it, if we put light under a basket, how, how is it going to give light to the world? That's the way that the Lord thinks. And as a body, that's what I think that we need to, we need to shift our focus that we are here to enjoy and encounter Jesus, but we're also here to bring Jesus into the world. And bring, we're not here to just become a disciple of Jesus, but we're here to also make disciples of Jesus. And it's not just for the super Christians and the pastors and the leaders. It's for every believer. All right, so look at this. Second uh, Corinthians, wow, it's 11.55, that's awesome. I don't know if I should read this because I'm going to be too far into it. I might have to do it next week. Huh? The game got postponed? So we're good. Let me say this, and I'm not going to read that. It's going to take too long. I'll read it next week. Um, What's the difference between Matthew, the tax collector, and the rich young ruler? You guys know the rich young ruler, right? Jesus says. What's the difference between Matthew, the tax collector, and the rich young ruler? Okay, not at the same time. Just kidding. Huh? Raise your hands, and I'll call on you. No. Jana? The only difference between Matthew, the tax collector, and the rich young ruler is their yes and their obedience. Right? Both wealthy tax collectors, that's why they were tax collectors, is because they could be wealthy. Both wealthy, both had the same, the rich young ruler, Jesus says, follow me, in the same way that he told Matthew to follow him. But the issue is, is their yes and their obedience. And that's why, like, simple obedience can change history. You don't realize that. Simple yeses to laying things down can actually change things. And that's what I mean is we're going to talk about it is we, to actually be a disciple of Jesus, we have to start with laying our lives down to follow him. Because here's the thing is we can only get to a certain place in Christianity to where your surrender will take you to this point. And if if you're not all in, then you can only grow to a certain ceiling. Like it's a narrow road. 
and we have to let things go as we start to come down it. Right? So we should do that up front. That's why Jesus says, he, he who's going toward, or he who's building a tower, doesn't he not first sit down and count the cost? Whether he's able to build a tower, he who's going to war, does he not sit first, first sit down and count his guys up before he goes and gets his butt whooped? And it's like, that's my paraphrase. <clears throat> but it's in, in following Jesus, there's a place for us to understand that we need to, and this is where I felt like, I want us to really see that I'm not like, I'm not preaching at people because the Lord's been speaking this to me for like two months personally. And it's like, I feel like there's a place for us to actually start to lay things down and, and like die to ourselves so that he can truly be glorified and live. Like he's asking us to give things up and he's asking us to walk away from things and not even just like things, but just mindsets and perceptions about ourselves that actually is gonna hinder us in our going forward. And it's like, he was speaking this to me first before I'm, I'm giving it to y'all. So I don't feel bad about being straight because it's been straight to me. It's like, if you truly want to impact people, then you need to have the life of Jesus and his life was laid down. Right? Like if we truly, if we, if we in Jesus church want to like touch the world and touch DeWitt and touch, touch the surrounding regions and actually bring the kingdom in, then we're going to actually have to lay down our idea of what that looks like and our idea of what we think should happen. Like, we have, to, we have to lay it all down so that we can go. Like, he's asking us to come through the cross, and it's, it's a narrow road. And I feel like, I feel like there's, there's a lot of freedom and a lot of joy in it when we understand that. It's because Jesus says, he's like, unless you, lay your, unless you lose your life, you're never going to find it. But there's sweet life in finding it, Right? Like I always say, Jesus showed us what it meant to live life at its best. And nobody in here, like I, I said it at our Lord's table Sunday, is like how many of you guys in here would agree that Jesus had a good life? Like he actually lived a life that was full, like full of joy, full of peace, full of freedom. But you look at his life, it's anything but, but easy. But because of his perception and his perspective of himself, of God, of people, he actually walked through it with everything that everybody else looks for and searches for, right? Everybody else looks for peace and joy and fulfillment and all that stuff. And Jesus probably lived a life that was way harder than yours with way more demands than yours. And he walked through it with the same thing that everybody else pursues outside of him. Isn't that crazy? Because of, because of an understanding and an identity of, of being laid down. That's freedom, right? That's why Jesus says, he's like, hey, follow me. And he knows that you dying is actually freedom for you. That's why, he's not, that's why he's not apologizing for it, right? He's not apologizing for crucifying you. He's thankful for it because he knows that you're about to step into something that's so much greater. And people that are actually living the gospel and people that are actually experiencing the life of, of community, the life of family, the life of freedom, the life of truth, the life of giving themselves to, to the scriptures and understanding and discipleship and family are actually experiencing the life and they're like, oh, this is what I was created for. Right, like that's what that's what they're talking about. It's like when you go somebody up somewhere else, people are like, "How do you do things like that?" Or people that come to Jesus Church, the biggest thing, like people that come and visit from my friends, family that come, the biggest thing that they say is like, "Man, you guys' community is like incredible," and they just get touched by the community. And that's because you have a, a group of people that are just in, not out. They're just in, and if you have a bunch of people that are just in for one reason, then when you get into that place, it just like sucks you into the current you know what I mean and you're like you're trapped into it like all right well I better just let it all go because I can't hold on to these things anymore that's freedom though 
and they like they're they're experiencing the life and peace that comes with just having with being laid down lovers of Jesus, right? The people are shaking their head; they understand. (laughs) But that's and that's why I like I don't feel bad because I feel like every every invitation of God, like when He says, "Hey, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me," He knows that that's best for you. He's not He's not like what we're giving up to what we gain is never it's never a comparison, ever. And then we have to trust the character and the nature of God to actually, this is my butter in part, Michelle. No, we have to trust the nature and the character of God that when we step into it, man, we're actually gonna experience and drink from the life and the rivers of life that are always flowing, right? Because I feel like, and this is what the Lord has been speaking to me about, is like the things that I like pray for and ask for and pursue in my heart of, man, Father, I wanna experience your life. I wanna experience what it's like for, to live like Jesus. I want to, excuse me, I want to experience what it's like to never be offendable. I want to experience what it's like to walk in joy and peace in all situations. He's just like, the only way that you do that is you die. And he's like, but that you have to be willing to do that, right? I have to be like Matthew and be willing to let that thing go. And it's funny, it's like, these are the things I'm pursuing. And I'm like, we all think that they're just like, hey, these are just like, there's peace for you guys. There's just joy in every situation. And we think that like, hey, we need peace and joy and God just throws a blanket on them. Peace and joy. It's like, actually, no, like when you go through with the mentality of like, my life is not my own and I've laid it down for the sake of the kingdom, then when Josh comes, whatever happens to him, it doesn't matter because he's here for one reason and that's to bring glory to him, right? And because of that, there's grace on what he's doing and there's grace for him to experience it and there's grace for him to experience the peace and the joy that he's looking for in the midst of circumstances, right? Like I heard a testimony of um, a missionary that's like in Mozambique when they're having a bunch of all the, the terrorism and stuff that's happened in Mozambique that nobody knows about or talks about. But they're killing a bunch of people, like all her pastors, like families, and they're just, they're coming in and just killing a bunch of people. And like, so they're coming to her, they're coming to her compound, like stranded, left like families either they don't know where they're at or they're dead and she's like and we just sit there and there's just so much she's like it's like the joy of the lord fills the room and they just laugh and we just all sit there and just enjoy the presence of the lord and she's like everybody wants that but the reason that they're experiencing that is because they're walking through with purpose and destiny that like their life is not their own right and that what they lose in the natural is actually not even compared to what they're gaining in the in heaven right and it's like, oh, there's actual grace in that situation. It's like, how can you have joy that's, un, un, like, that's unspeakable and full of glory? Right? How can you have peace that passes all understanding? It's because that you're stepping into grace and empowerment of the Spirit because of the, percep- the, the perspective and the, the life that you're living and the pursuit that you're having. There's grace on it, right? Like I said, God's not going to fill our tanks to go down roads that we're not called to go down. So I feel like there is, I'm going to talk about it a little bit more next week and then we'll get into it, but I feel like that's my intro. But there is a, I feel like there's a lot of life that the Lord wants us to live and he's asking us, he's asking us to just come. Whether or not we're going to come, that's where we have to figure it out personally. Um, I feel like the door has been flung wide open for us and it's going to be sweet when we see it. And it's not even that it's a heavy thing because it's, it's really sweet when we let things go and we start walking in it, right? 
when you let things go, like when you let fear of man go and you start to live the way that you're called to live, you're like, dang, this junk is fire. Like not thinking about what you think about me is way, way better than thinking about what you think about me. Right? And it's like, that's, that's freedom. But it's like, that's what I mean is like the Lord's like, hey, I'm about to, the Lord, this is what the Lord told me. I'm about to show you what freedom looks like. And that's not thinking about yourself. It's not considering yourself. It's actually laying yourself down. He's like, I want, this is what the Lord told me. I want to crucify you, so just let me. But I'm not let. I wasn't letting him. <clears throat> That's sweet. I'm super thankful for that. So, because you can't crucify yourself, right? You only get one. You only get one foot in, maybe a hand, and then you need somebody to do the other hand. For real. That's the truth. You can't crucify yourself. You you can't you can't commit suicide by crucifixion. You can't. You need somebody to do it for you. All you got to do is say yes to it. That's true. So would you stand with me? Josh, will you take that over there? I feel like that's my intro. And we'll spend the next couple weeks on it, and I think it's going to be really good for us. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you that you're opening our hearts and our eyes to where you're taking us. And I thank you, Lord, that you're taking us by the hand and you're leading us to greener pastures. Father, I know that it looks like there might be yeah, I thank you that it looks like there might be things that might be hard or difficult. But I know, Father, that man, what we gain in letting go is a lot more than what we're holding on to. So, Father, I thank you for just giving us pur- purpose and vision and passion, Father. Passion for your name, passion for your gospel, passion for your commission. And Father, thank you that you're gracing us and giving us the ability to live the thing out. Lord, we care for you and we're thankful that you care for us, Lord. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We're super, super thankful for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We'll have some guys up here for prayer if anyone needs prayer, but we love you guys. You are dismissed.